Welcome to Strong Points. And Weak Points. The Daniel Amos. And Terry Taylor Retrospective Podcast. This, this is it, guys. All right. So we're not going to dilly-dally too long. This is our first official episode. And Aaron, where do we start? We start with the 1976, right? 1976 debut album. Self-entitled Daniel Amos called Daniel Amos. Now, it's worth noting before we get into the stuff, because honestly, I this album, we're going to talk about it, but I find the um, everything surrounding it almost more interesting than the album. So Daniel Amos was released on Maranatha Records, 1976. Prior to this, Terry Taylor had been like in four different bands. Um, and he had, you know, played all over the place, you know, um, in Southern California, he lived a little bit further out East. Um, he had played in secular bands, then he played in some Christian bands. And finally he, uh, kind of just stumbled into this, um, Daniel Amos band. And it wasn't even Daniel Amos originally. Do you remember what it was originally, Aaron? It was something Jibble, like Jubbles band or something like that. Jubal's band. Jubal's, right? Jubal's, yeah, Jubal's, yeah. <laughs> and there was another band named like Jubilee or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so they both changed their names. And I was listening to the interview with Terry Taylor, and he's like, Well, we opened up the Bible and <laughs> we uh, picked two names from it uh, Prophet Daniel, Prophet Amos. And I'm like, Daniel Amos, that sounds like a guy that would be uh, pretty chill and playing his guitar. So we'll, we'll pick that guy. <laughs> And that's how we got the name. Which they're right. I mean, I'm hanging out with Daniel Amos every day of the week if I can. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's this first album. Um, I recommend highly, if you get a chance, just look on Apple Music. It might even be on Spotify. The 40th anniversary version of this album. Yes. Um, listen to the disc two where it has the interviews. It's definitely on Spotify. I have it. It's, it's totally worth a listen. So this first album, um, technically the core band was as follows. Steve Baxter on guitar. Jerry Chamberlain on lead guitar. M Marty Dykmeyer. Dickmeyer? One of the yeah. two. Yeah, one of them. On bass. And Terry Taylor on guitar. So these guys were originally, their whole entire gig was they were three-part harmony playing in coffee shops. That was kind of their deal. And the album was produced and mixed by Al Perkins. And then it had a whole bunch of additional musicians. Aaron, you ready for this list of additional musicians? I'm ready. Give it to me, Sammy. Hit me hard. All right, we got, we got Mike Pooh Bear Baird on drums. Boom. Dave Angel on sax, solo, and clarinet. What, Jonathan what? David Brown on harpsichord and organ. Get Brian it. Carroll on nylon string lead and rhythm guitar. Woo -woo. Dave Diggs on piano and horn arrangements. Yes. Joanne Graver on Fender Rhodes. For true. Alex MacDougall on percussion. Booyakasha. Al Perkins on pedal, steel guitar, and banjo. Say what? Jerry Walter on piano. What, what? John Ware on additional drums and the Hoodoo Meat Box. Yeah, yeah, you need that, that meat box, son. <laughs> Bar Warford on the pole string guitar and six string acoustic. 
Can I get John what, Wickman what? on the bell monitor? What is that? Of course. You need a and bell monitor, son. I can't tell if this is a real person. Dan Amos on other percussive embellishments. It's not. That's Terry. Just being silly. <laughs> you know that. Come on, Sam. That's Terry. That's clearly Terry having a laugh. So <laughs> the only conclusion I can come to on this album is that they went to Maranatha Records and Maranatha said, Hey guys, so we like your, you know, coffee house, you know, four part harmony vibe, but you need to sound more commercial. <laughs> more something. Yes. More commercial for the Christian market at the time. Um, I think this was maybe not the birth, but definitely the escalation of let's make something in the Christian market market that mimics what's popular in the secular market no what no sam never <laughs> <laughs> that would never happen <laughs> oh i will have some words about this all right we will um aaron tell me your memories of this album um first off what is your me... experience with it all right so i just love that in 2020 probably 21 when we released this that we're talking about an album from 1976 that's so great <laughs> first of all this is officially the oldest thing we have talked about. This is officially older than me. The only thing that's older than me that I've ever talked about in my life. Well, not really, but recorded-wise, probably. So, again, so, um, like I mentioned in the intro, I discovered Daniel Amos through Mr. Beekner's Dream. I have no idea at what point I ended up getting this album. I mean, foreshadowing. I remember listening to it, it was like, uh, what? Because I'm pretty sure that after the Beatner's Dream, I got the Alarma, um, either the box set or one of the Alarma um, albums. And for you guys out there, you know, there's not anything like this. So when I eventually got to this, I was like, what is this? Nah, I'm good. And I probably listened, real talk outside. Okay, so before preparing for this podcast, I probably listened to this album four times and that's including the time later in life when they released the 40th anniversary and because i love terry taylor and had the extra tracks and there was no streaming service i bought the box set to get the interviews and extra tracks and stuff because i'm curious you know the beginnings that's interesting and i listened to that box set maybe well i listened to the extra disc took a lot because of the interviews and stuff but yeah i probably didn't listen to the album one time so can't together i probably listened to this album Four times for this podcast, preparing for it probably like 10 times now. <laughs> yeah, my, my journey is not too different. It's just kind of one of those things where um, I was just kind of listening to everything Daniel Amos related. So um, I just kind of bounced around to the Alarma Chronicles, Horrendous Disc, um, Shotgun Angel. And then finally I'm like, well, I guess I should listen to this one. Exactly. And it just kind of played in the background while I was doing other stuff. So, um, the one of the songs, and I'll call it out later, did get stuck in my head this morning. I'm not even going to lie. Um, oh, thank you for bringing that up. There is one song up here, which we'll get to, that I do absolutely love. And I'm gonna, I'll speak more about it. I don't want to give anything away. But there's one that I do listen to on its own, apart from this album. I love it to death. So. Uh, there's at I least think, I think, one in here I think is... It has enough tongue-in-cheek. I like it, but we'll, we'll get there. Okay. All right. So with 
All right, you ready to kick this off, Sam? First strong oh, man. points. Let's... points. Oh, oh, wait. So here, we got we to gotta have the album intro. Pulling up in a car. All right, what are we starting with? Jesus is Jehovah to me. <laughs> All right, I'll kick this off. <laughs> right off the bat, steel guitar. It's like an announcement. This is a country album. Hey, you guys don't have to listen to that sinful Johnny Cash anymore. We have a country album for you. <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> sincerely, this does have a strong course on it. Um, the course reminds me of like Wednesday night service in church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like even at this early junction, Terry had figured out how to write a course. Yes. And this is a solid course. But then the verses. <laughs> the verses will drag you down. Um, where particularly you get to that second verse and they just give up on singing. Um, they just start monologuing uh, <laughs> rather than singing. <laughs> and they're just like, hey, you know those Jehovah Witnesses? <laughs> They're horrible people, aren't they? Watchtower. <laughs> and like, oh, that's the next. That's later. Um, no, that's in this. It's in the verse. Oh, it is. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's right. like in the second verse. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, so <laughs> you have an okay first verse, a pretty decent, you know, singable course, and that second verse is like, "Hey, while you're listening to us, we should warn you." <laughs> um, those, those, uh, those. Jehovah Witnesses, no good. And uh, yeah, that's my that's my um, interpretation of the song. Before I go, I just want to say I love Terry Taylor. I love Daniel Amos, and I promise later the 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 reviews are glowing. And Era has to start somewhere. A huge Prince fan. His first album's not great, and I have a lot of negative things to say. So I just want to preface this by saying that. Because I really love Terry and I respect him so much. But just to be truthful. So to me, this is, I don't know, I'm not sure if the Eagles is a good comparison because I, I, I'm a casual Eagles listener. But when I hear this, this is what I think of. Um, it's like that, like Sam mentioned, that country western, which I do like country western, but this the country western 70s Christian version of it, I'm not a fan of it. It's not my cup of tea. And um, like it you mentioned, it just doesn't feel natural, you know, especially and I think like I don't know how like fans like when this is the first you listen to this, then Shaka Nary and Joel and then the Alarmer Chronicles. I don't know. I'm sure they lost a lot of fans and gained a bunch. Like for me, like coming backwards from Beatman's Dream and Alarma to this, like I think that just set me up for failure because it's just he had evolved. Terry like perfected it. He's like, you know, like he, like I say. Prince, Terry Taylor, Jason Barton, my three favorite songwriters of all time. By Beatman's Dream, he perfected it. This is his beginning. So, I mean, you have to start somewhere. You, no one starts off perfect. So, I hate saying what I'm about to say, but I'm saying it. <laughs> I do, like you said, still guitar. That slide, still guitar. And Terry's vocals, love it. Or whoever's singing. I think it's Terry. Might be the other guy. Terry are sincere, earnest, and beautiful. This is the Jesus People move, the Jesus People movement of nineteen in the nineteen seventies, distilled down in one song. For better or worse, I'm not a fan of it. You know, it's just not my cup of tea. 
I do like the in your in like you mentioned, like they just give up on singing. And the spoken word part to me, I do like it better. It's a nice change up because I'm just like, oh my gosh, this country western stuff is not my thing. Oh, the spoken word, you're right, reminds me. I grew up in the South. I'll mention this a couple times. I grew up in Virginia South. This is what I heard in I'm not going to rank these songs that we did on Starfire for this album, but I'm just going to I'll do one to five star, one obviously being terrible and one being obviously amazing. This Jehovah, um, Jesus, Jehovah to me is a one star song. Next, the Bible. Sam, what you think? The Holy Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so once again, they know how to write a course. I'll give them that. Um, this one does feel a bit more Southern California, circa, circa the 70s. If you ever listen to like a Randy Stonehill or some really early, um, darn it, I just completely lost his name. Um, oh, Norman? Norman? Yeah, Larry Norman. Larry Norman. I haven't listened to any of those guys, neither one of oh, them. Oh, dude, so. Larry Norman's worth a listen, but no, beyond the point. I'm not going to, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, this is in the vein, right, um, of that music. So this isn't so much a song as much as a sermon with music, right? Um, and some people love that. Some people hate it. And I will get into – I have a kind of thesis statement later on why I don't think it works. But – um yeah when you're just trying to preach it just doesn't come off quite as sincere mm -hmm. and i'm not quite buying that they are 100 percent behind this um now if it was just the course you know just the bible the holy bible i can mm. i can buy that right i can buy yeah. a bunch of southern guys yeah. sitting around their kitchen stove singing but um, I don't know. It just combined with the whole entire package. I don't quite believe it, though. I do like the line when the melodies of your life go crazy. That's just that's a fun line. Mm. Um, so kind of poetic, faint, faint glimmers of what was to come. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, what do you got? I love the instrumental intro. If this if this whole song had been an instrumental. I would have loved it so much more. Um, and like you were saying, like, especially later on Darn Floor Big Bite and other songs, like the 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 complexity and the nuance in the very deep and very nuanced on um, the very aware and challenging um lyrical um expressions that Terry and the band put forth later, this seems so flat and shallow and so like it just seems like, like they get so much deeper and so much more profound. Just the dog when they just deal with in such like deep and meaningful ways. Like this just comes off as like being so naive and like like it just like really like it's like what and you're like <laughs> and again like I said it's their first album they're young and so it's hard, but it is what it is. And like currently like like I, I grew up as a Christian and I was a pastor and now I'm at that agnostic. And so these lyrics they're like. And to me now, it's just like, ugh. but, you know, whatever. The shakers and background vocals in the song are great in spite of the lyrics. Um, those little first flourishes along with the rhythm section make the song enjoyable. 
Um, the guitar solo here is really good. The music is better than the previous song. The lyrics manually drag this down. But even with that, it's a two-star song. Already better. We're improving already. Look at that. Abiding. All right. Well, tell me what you, <laughs> tell me what you think of Abiding, Aaron, because this one's um uh, uh, almost left turn. Oh God, I'm not sure if Terry and the gang were having a laugh, like joking around, a la the swirling eddies, which we'll get to later in this podcast, or if they're writing a serious song. And I guess that's what's great about Terry is sometimes you're not sure if he's doing one or the other or both, and kind of you know, I like that. Um, yeah, it's a testament to Terry Strong writing skills um, that you don't know it's true sometimes. I love the piano solo here, though it's um, even though it, it's the highlight of the song. Um, growing up in the evangelical church in the South, I've heard so many songs in this vein. And so I know this is 70s music. And I grew up in the evangelical church in the 90s. And I was Southern Baptist. And I can't tell you how many revivals and church services I heard music like this. And I'm just like eye rolling the whole time because, like you mentioned earlier, like they, you know, the Christian industry trying to reach out to the different trying to sound like different things but at the time i was listening to prince and nirvana and this was not it for me <laughs> so i did not appreciate this style of music at all one star for me what you think sam so um i do like the kind of jazzy bit but then like the the rapid fire verses come in and you're right they kind of sound like it's tongue-in-cheek but not quite enough um, it's just, it's cheese whiz. It's like super cheesy. Um, mm-hmm. Now, with that said, I do prefer a story type song mm-hmm. as opposed to someone just yelling at you. And this does kind of have <laughs> a story about it, right? Yeah. Um, it's very Vegas. And here's my theory for this song. This song is like, it sounds like they wrote it for a Vegas show, right? And that kind of comes back in a later song we'll talk about. Yeah. So one young Carmen picked up this album he got to track three abide in and he said i can make a career out of this <laughs> besides g besides who's in the house <laughs> yes but wouldn't you agree this this right here is the genesis of carmen uh, you're right you are so right <laughs> oh god this song ruined so many years Terry, Terry, why you? <laughs> okay, let's um, move forward to a song I actually like a little bit. Go ahead, do it. William, track number four. Um, so this song, the 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 bedrock of it, right? The bottom of this song, I like. It's a simple story, and it's saying, "Hey, thank you for having a good influence on me," right? Um, and I know everyone was kind of a jerk to you, but thank you for being nice to me, for, um, being, you know, letting your light shine as it were for me. And for just a moment when they have that, yes, William, the kids were cool or cruel course, I'm really feeling the song. And I'm like, you know what? This feels like a genuine, you know, I'm sitting down with my guitar telling a story and then you have this really rad harpsichord in there. And I believe this song is sincere. Um, and yeah, I just, I, it's not great. Don't get me wrong. This is not like in the, 
this is not in the pathos of Terry Taylor's best work. But I would probably, out of most of these songs, I might throw this one on a mixtape. It's it's okay. Like it's a it's a mostly okay song. So thanks for sharing, Sam, that you were bullied in high school and that's why you relate to the song. That's cool. Dude, I was so bullied. I'm not even gonna lie, but I know, I can tell. I I heard what you said. I get it. (laughs) I'm sorry to bring up your past trauma. I love you, Sam. But that's not what my intention was. But I called this the uh, first names song because the song William by Daniel Amos. Too many first names going on here. Um, I hope that William knows this song exists. Um, Not much to say about it. I mean, that you've already said. I agree with everything you said. I'm glad that Terry feels sorry for bullying a classmate and calling him weird. And so if Terry was probably your classmate, he probably would have bullied you too at this point in his life too, Sam. So I'm glad he matured and became a better person. Good job, Terry. Um, again, more country, uh, country Western rock with Oregon this time. Um, I like the organ on the song. One star. Prelude, Servant's Prayer. Sam, what you think? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this one was actually bought like the lead part of it was Steve Baxter. Um, and I believe this may be the genesis of the group's more operatic moments. They're more um, theatrical moments. Right. Yeah. So it's it's kind of boring and doesn't really go anywhere. But you know what? Vocal harmonies and theatrics. I love me some theatrics. Right. Um this, I don't know, I just, the 70s was right in that perfect air for, like, where theater really hit into classic rock. You say right? theater, Sam? Oh, man, I'm, a, I'm trying to love you, man. Theater? Not, no, like, you know, you had Queen in it's the 70s. It's theater, man, not theater. You had, like, uh, theater. Iggy Pop, um, you had David Bowie in the 70s, right? That yeah. kind of theater aesthetic really hit classic rock in the 70s. And I feel like they were just tapping into that a little bit. And I appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Well, So I tell love me it. what you think of I this love prelude it. and the I next song. It. I love okay. I love the song. It's um, If this album had more songs like this, it would be so much better. Because you can hear the Beach Boys influence, which Terry talks about a lot. And it's beautiful. I love the harmonization um, on this joint for sure. And I think to me, I like the songwriting because obviously even first albums, Terry's a natural born songwriter. I love the vocal harmonies, but it's just the country Western twang and all that stuff that really turns me off to it. So if it was more of this, I would have loved this because I love acapella albums. I I have so many of those. This would have been so much better. But even with that, it's a two star song for me. Um, That's all I got to say about it. All right, well, since this is a prelude, tell me about the song after it. Don't light your own fire. Love the electric piano. Terry's vocals are beautiful and warm. The music is more... um, It's more rock and less country for me here. This has more of a country... uh, More of a rock beat to it. Um, But but the strong Jesus people, Eagles vibe is still there. Um, It's starting to sound repetitive at this point, but the uh, electric piano is just enough to help it sound different. Um, I kind of dig the song. I mean, like you mentioned about William at this point, Don't Light Your Own Fire would probably be another song I would probably like put on a mixtape and listen to outside of its own. Two stars. I'm sorry. It's pretty good. 
Fair. Yeah. Um, this one feels a bit Abbey Road to me. Um, I, I feel a little Beatles in it. Maybe it's okay. just that electric piano. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I uh, I like the idea in it. You know, um, wait patiently on God to take care of you rather than go with your own plan. And rather you're Christian or secular, it's still good advice. Sometimes the best thing you can do in life is wait rather than acting rational. Um, rather than acting on a whim or... You know, so many mistakes are made in life on people that decide to act on their feelings or on a whim rather than just waiting patiently and seeing what will happen. Um, so the 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 seed of a good idea is in there. So, yeah, yeah that's that song. OK. How about Losers and Winners? What do you think about that? <laughs> this reminds <laughs> me of a Facebook post. You know those Facebook posts, and it's always by, like, your great aunt who you don't talk to anymore. And it's like, I'm not naming any names, but someone. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just what it totally reminded me of, and it kind of all grated great, at me a little all bit. All my great aunts are dead. Thanks, Sam, for reminding me of that. I'm just going <laughs> to Find your aunts, you know. They're... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the general idea in this of uh, treat everyone good Mm -hmm. is something I strongly, strongly believe in, right? Um, it's, a, it's a huge thing in the Bible that don't be, treat people lesser just because they don't live up to your standards or your expectations. And it's something that's honestly, um, especially in, I feel like, a lot of culture nowadays overlooked sometimes because we're always uh, aiming for bigger and better as opposed to looking out for the little people sometimes. Yeah. So it's a it's a solid Sunday school lesson, but it's a Sunday school lesson set to cheesy country music, and um, it's just no sophistication or finesse. It's um the equivalent of scribbling out a sermon and just kind of shouting it while your friend plays their acoustic guitar in the background. So, yeah, Aaron, what do you think? I agree. In like most of the songs in this album, that whole sermonizing um, theme runs about. Um, it's not until I think her in this disc, with, or later songs on Shotgun Angel too, where they learn to sermonize, or like like um, Saint Francis of Assisi said, "Go out today and preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words." In music, you can s sermonize and preach the gospel without preaching the gospel by you being artistic and Jason Martin from Star 59 does that pretty well and at horrendous disc and on Terry and the guys do a really good job of that but here this ain't it um <laughs> I love the upbeat drums here they're very catchy I bop to this whenever it does come on um this reminds me so many revivals that i went to it when i was a pastor man like here in the south man like this type of music is just like all the time and i just had to sit through and suffer through it man the so i have a lot of ptsd when i listen to this music <laughs> sorry um the guitar solo here is really good though the bridges are the bridges are welcome um not much else to say about this song that you haven't really I'm covering. I agree. Like the message of it again, like in like all these songs, the messages are good. Don't cheat on your wife. Be good. You know, love others. But it's just not artistic. You know, like you said, it's just sermonizing. It's a one star song as well. Yeah. And to a degree now, 
to a degree because I'm in Indiana, but they still kind of have that those southern roots. Yeah, and um, a lot of this makes me feel warm. The ideas of it now, not this particular sound, because I have heard I actually like southern gospel, and um, there are some artists that I think are genuinely um, talented people that still kind of do that simplistic um, sermonizing because that's just their style. And it works for them. I just yeah. don't feel like it works for this band. Yeah. You know, um, but, uh, you know, the it, that general style makes me feel like, you know, warm, like I'm a 10 year old just sitting on my pew next to my mom. Right. Those are good times for me. It doesn't make me feel warm like a 10 year old. It makes me feel like I was 24, <laughs> 25, 26 sitting in a, uh, a revival because it was my job and I had to listen to this awful music and I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of song stories you would have heard um, during revivals, how many times did you hear the story of walking on water? Never. Um, not even here. What? Not even on the Lost Dogs, who does a song about walking on the water. But anyway, walking on the water, the eighth song of this album. Um, this song sounds like the seat that would turn into the band, the Lost Dogs. Um, it's it's overtly Christian lyrically but in a palatable way that the lost dogs were able to perfect and later like they have very overt christian songs but like even today like when i'm, I'm a, you know like i said i'm an agnostic and i'll i'll listen to the lost dogs all the time like the music the lyrics just warm they just have a formula they 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 have mastered a way to make you be able to listen to the gospel and hear the bible verses and not be turned off not hearing this song though. It's tender inviting. It comes off more sincere than the rest of us on this album. However, um, this is one of the moments in this album with Dia where we're able to capture sincerity in art on one song where it was like it didn't feel like sermonizing, like somebody yelling at yelling Bible verses at you. Um the shooting star sounding effect in the background, the I don't know if you caught that in the song. It's really cool. I like it. Um, two stars though. How about you, Sam? Mm -hmm. So I have some baggage coming into this song because <laughs> this story, I, for, I mean, you know, it's a I have classic baggage coming story. into this album. <laughs> but this, I, I grew up on CCM, contemporary Christian music. I still listen to it. I still, there are select things I still like about it. Um, this story though gets repeated and repeated, and. I think these guys had no way of knowing that over the next 50 years, because, you know, we're approaching 45 or so years since they made this album. Um, this song, this story of Peter walking on water would get recycled no less than 220 times. And I would hear them all growing up. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's interesting hearing those roots. I think that baggage drags it down a little bit for me. Um I do like the kind of psychedelic sound they go into. Um, I'm all for, you know, kind of, like it's barely psychedelic, but just, just enough, you know, you have the echoey keys um, with some effects. You have some cool harmonies kind of lightly pulling from the Beach Boys again. Yeah. So some interesting ideas, but not enough to make the song stand out to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I guess next up we have Ryan Along. Um, I'll start this off. Okay. I'll be brief. <laughs> I'll be brief. Oh, God, super brief. 
So glad this song's only two minutes long. I can't believe this band would go on to record songs like William Blanket, the author of the story. It's such amazing songs. If you listen to the song, oh my gosh, if you were to tell me that Motorcycle, the Alarmer Chronicles <laughs> were going to come from this band, I would have laughed you to death and would have bet the farm on that. Oh God, this song, I love Terry so much, but knowing the amazing lyrical imagery that would come after this album, this song is lacking and is my least favorite song in this album. Possibly my least favorite Dan Lehman song. Half a star, I mean, because it's Terry, other than that, probably a zero. Super skippable. Super skippable. What about you, Sam? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to actually talk about this song and the next song after it, because I feel like they kind of go together. Okay. Riding along, I wish this song was a parody. I listen to it, and my ears go, this has to be a parody. Right? They're making yes. fun of Western music, right? Yes, yes. But I don't think they are. I know. That's what makes it terrible. I'm like, I, I'm like it's, it's like after, you know, you watch um, – after you watch parody movies, you can't take the original movie serious anymore. Yes. And that's what I feel like this is. It's just, there's no way they're being sincere. I, they, they have to be, but I don't think, I don't know. I can't take it seriously. No, they are. I think they are being serious, but it comes off as insincere because it's just not good. And that's why it's not uh, a good song. And the song right after it just follows, you know, dusty road. They were really feeling that cowboy aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels so fake. Um, they needed like to brush up on the lyrics, uh, slow down the pace. I'm not even opposed to country western. Um, a song I love is Ghost Riders in the Sky, and it's that is pure country western, right? But it's a great song. This, but that is like a folk song that tells a story, and you you feel like he's sincere about just telling the story. This. Does not feel sincere whatsoever. It sounds like so. It sounds like Al Perkins, the producer, said, "Hey guys, Maranatha told us that that country western is selling a lot of records right now. So we need you guys to do the country western thing that's selling a lot of records." And Terry Taylor said, "Okay, I guess let's write some country western songs, boys." And that's what this feels like. I'm sorry, and that might be true. <laughs> no, no, no. It might be true because that does happen. Like, because I've talked to Michael Pretzel from the Violet Burning in the 90s. And um, he talked about how, like, they sent records to the their recording agency. And they're like, you can say Jesus enough. We can't release this. We need more Jesuses. And so, yeah, back then, who I mean, and, like, you, and you can sit on the next record, Shock and Angel, you see how, like, as the album goes on, they kind of move away from that. Then her this well, technically, our alarm came out before her this, this, but whatever. And you can see that they're moving away from that. So that makes sense that this wasn't what they were trying to do anyway. It's probably the record industry, their record company telling them this is what we want. And that's probably what comes off as not sincere because when your heart's not in it, that's what comes out. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on Dusty Road? I, I, didn't, I don't think I shared any thoughts, but yeah, I will. Here we go. Um, the song is Bouncy. And would be at home at any Southern Baptist church today. Like, I'm still in the South. If you went to Southern Baptist church, even in 2020, man, you could still listen to Dusty Road or a song like this, then it would be at place. They would love it. Um, not welcome in my ears, though. 
I don't hate the song, although it is, um, but it's not when I would seek out on my own. Like if I'm like have stuff on shelf and it comes, I'm like, oh, there's Dusty Road, whatever. I won't hate it, but I wouldn't seek it out ever. Are we reviewing Alarma Chronicles yet? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> you don't understand the trauma I suffered through this events in the South at these revivals and church services, this type of music, but we'll, we'll surge you on. Number 11, love in a yielded heart, Sam. What are you, oh, this, oh, Dusty Rose a one star, obviously, but go ahead, Sam, love in a yielded heart. <laughs> I feel like we're just a broken record right now. We're just like, yeah, yeah, this song. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's terrible. Thank but you, everyone for listening to this. I you, promise in the next couple of the next couple songs, there's some. It's a change up. I promise you. <laughs> for for me, anyway. I don't know about Sam. There's no so, broken. There's no broken hearted love song, so he probably doesn't care. But whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> um. All right. So. Um. This song apparently is. Um. I was listening to the interview from the 40th anniversary record, and. Terry Taylor said he was he went to a concert of like a, a Jesus people band he really liked. And I forget, I think I forget which band it was. Um, and they he's like, hey, I just want to play a song for them. And so like this friend led him back to the dressing room where the whole entire band is still back there. They're like, okay, play us a song. And this is the song he played. Which, on a side note, if you guys listen to that 40th anniversary record, the demos are actually better than most of these tracks. Mm-hmm. I like the demos better. So this song is actually sung by Baxter. Um, I was following the song pretty good. Um, sometimes you can't find freedom in whatever it is you're doing, right? Um, like that's that's a valid message. And um, once again, it can apply pretty universally. Sometimes you sincerely just feel trapped in whatever it is that you're trying to find freedom in. But then he kind of just loses me. Um, particularly when he starts name dropping artists, and I, I don't know, it just feels kind of cheap. Like this reminds me of, um, and it, it's a thing that kind of annoys me when uh, preachers take whatever is popular in pop culture at the moment, and they just start saying it's evil because this random thing I found from watching Thirty Seconds or listening to Thirty Seconds of it, right? And he kind of does the same thing here, where he's like. Uh, Lennon is bad, and uh, I can't remember who else he says. There's like two other artists I recognized Alice Cooper, um, Bob Dylan. Alice Cooper is bad, and Bob Dylan is bad, which, ironically enough, Bob Dylan made a Christian record like three years later. But, um, <laughs> Alice Cooper, too, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't, did Alice Cooper ever make a Christian I think, one? I can't remember. Well, he became Christian or made an album, I can't remember. Um, it was on, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know, it just felt in bad taste, right? Like. Um, I I would rather look for the good things in the world rather than shouting out what I think is dumb because it's popular at the moment. That's all. And what and what you're saying about the um, you felt like earlier that they had songs and now Perkins produced hey we need to make country western music and they did that and the demos and that's why I, I would encourage people to listen to the fourth anniversary release because the demos you can hear like. They're different songs, and it sounds like that's what happened. Here's these songs. The record said we needed more to sound like this, and they adapted the songs to sound like that. So, yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, this particular song, Love and Yield at Heart, love the pop culture references of 1976, 
John Lennon was still alive. Oh my gosh, this album sold. <laughs> uh, nothing much else to say that you haven't said. Um, um, I mean, it's just more love Jesus, Jesus loves you, country western music, blah, blah, blah. One star. Skeptic song, Sam. What'd you think? Okay, so here's the deal. In the original version, this, this would have been the song. closing this is, song. This is your favorite song on the album, isn't it? <laughs> we have this weird Vegas vibe. Um, skeptic song. Skeptics song. This would have been yeah. the closing song originally. And I, oh, I'm so glad it's not. Yeah. Um, this is a sermon pretending to be a song. <laughs> and here's the deal. Here, This is my final thesis on this. Okay. The only time people want to hear a sermon is if they willingly sit down to hear it. They, You can't trick people into hearing the gospel. I am like a hardcore, Bible-believing, Jesus name. I, I am it, man. And I don't try and trick people into hearing Bible studies. If they want to hear them, they will tell me. Or I will ask them and they will say yes. I don't trick them. Um, and it's just frustrating because I see this type of laziness of, well, you know, maybe if we trick kids into hearing Christian music, they'll like Jesus now. And it just happened for the next 40 years in Christian music. And once again, Carmen heard this song. So, yeah, that rant over, stepping away. <laughs> uh, well, I can't argue with you, um, but this might surprise you. Um, this song reminds me of a few of the upcoming songs I heard in this disc. Um, it's fun. Um, I bought my head to it. I agree with you, the lyrical content of that, the whole sermon pretending to be a song. But in spite of that, I quite enjoy this song. It's my second favorite song on this album. I love the sax at the end. I'm a sucker for a good sax. And everybody makes mistake. Sax after. Um, this is... So far, this is a two and a half star. And for those keeping track, that's my highest rated song on this album. Two and a half stars. <laughs> uh, see, I I don't know. I think th when I was reviewing this, this song was just like the last straw for me. <laughs> um, and that's why I came down so hard on it. It was like, all right, so let's go ahead and move on to a song I do like. Happily Married Man. Of course you do, because you're a happily married man, aren't you, Sam? I am, but that's beyond the point. Okay, so here's why I like this. This feels like that perfect amount of tongue-in-cheek. Um, this is where they said, write a country song, and they said, oh, we'll write a country song, all right. And so country music has this whole entire whole kind of sub-genre thing of – the, the cheat in person, right? It's a whole yeah. entire popular yeah. thing of I'm cheating I mean, on my spouse or whatever. That's every, that's every genre of music. <laughs> yeah. And I like taking that idea and completely flipping it on its head. That feels hilarious to me. Um, Bleach, a Christian band named Bleach does the same thing in the 90s where they write what I call the anti-grunge song. And um, it's called The Perfect Family. And it's literally just about oh, a happily married Oh, I, love I love that, that song. song. Oh my! I saw them perform that song live here. It's so great. I love that album. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> this song feels like that idea of let's take something and just make it hilarious by flipping it on its head and just talking about the opposite. It's not perfect, right? 
the uh, the courses get a bit too preachy at moments, but the the tongue is in the cheek, and I appreciate that. I'm like, there you are, Terry. I see you in there. I like this song. The perfect family, Jerry and Sally. The perfect family. Isn't that such an anti grunge song yeah. though? It's great. not really. I mean, the music. I mean, lyrically, I guess. But no, not really. If you listen to grunge music, grunge was very positive, like anti-racism, pro-feminism, pro. Yeah, I mean, lots of suicide and stuff too. But yeah, it was pretty pro-social things. If you really listen to it, like Nirvana, if you listen to their stuff, they weren't like anti-family really. I mean, Kurt sung about his messed up dad, but he was trying to find a family. But yeah, that Bleach song though. God, so good. Thanks. I'm going to listen to that after this tonight. Anyway, Happily Married Man. Terry's vocals in this song remind me of Elvis Presley's vocals, vocal delivery. Did you get that, Sam? Elvis vibes in that? I guess I can see that. I haven't listened to Elvis's country stuff as much. I'm a, more a fan of his like 50s rock kind of thing. Well, I really hate Elvis in general and his country music in particular. It's just terrible. I hate Elvis. He's... Anyway, I could go on a rant. I'm going to keep it to myself. So that turned me off to the song here initially. Even the first time I was like, oh, Elvis. Oh, my God. I can't even get into the song. And then the overtly moral lyrics ratchet my dislike to the song even more. Yes, I get what you're saying about flipping the cheating thing and whatever. But it comes off as like, okay, calm down, Terry. Like, people are human. People make mistakes. It doesn't make them terrible. And just because you cheat on somebody doesn't mean that you're center bound for hell to be doused in fire forever um and there's no room for interpretation this is a very literal very straightforward song there is literally no room for any type of interpretation this song is what it is on the surface and there's no room for nothing you know it's lyrical and fixed which is completely opposite approach they took on albums like darn for a big bite and other things where it's more open to interpretation and i hate that i don't like music should be more art and less math and like songs that are so especially in the christian genre of music where here's the song this is what this is about period without making it challenging the listener to what it's about i hate those songs that's why i hate carmen and most ccm like amy grant stuff like that because it's just so fixed in this lyrical content and that's why i love prayer chain Mortal, Starfire 59, where they could challenge you. And this was more of the CCM. Um, very moralizing, very basic, lyrical, not artful at all. One star song. All right. So that brings Fair us enough. to the last song. Anything else before we get to the, this last song, Sam? How are you feeling right now? I think I just, uh, it felt sincere. Maybe that's why I liked it. Okay, I'll stop okay. defending myself. <laughs> no, don't defend. And it's, I mean, Terry's a happily married man. I mean, to this day, like he's been married for like 7,000 years. So, I mean, it's sincere for him. But he, and later he writes more love songs to his wife and about being married that are way more off role and way better than this and that celebrate marriage as Jason did too. So that's all I'm saying. This one's not one of those better ones. That's all. <laughs> All right, tell me about Ain't Gonna Fight It. I ain't gonna fight my love for this song, Sam. So I mentioned in the beginning, there's a song that I really love. This is the song I listen to on repeat, Lost Thoughts, did a cover of it later. Um, I freaking love this song. It's hands down, not even close to the best song on the album. Here we see a glimpse of the greatness that is to come. 
This song is talking about Jesus, but in a warm, non-abrasive way, not very, not sermonizing at all. The strings are beautiful and it helps send the song to the stratosphere of greatness. The line, peace has got its grip on me. I love that. And that's how I feel when I listen to the song. Like I just feel this peace that comes over me. It's so peaceful, glorious. Great way to end this album. You drudge. And that's what I love about Terry, man. Even in this album, you 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 stick with them, you get through the mud and the mire, you get to this beautiful, glorious song. This is the only song on this call that I regularly listen to. Four stars. Four stars, Sam. Love this song. Fucking amazing. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So um I will agree this is easily the best song on the album hands down I mean, and i made a mistake earlier this is the song he sat down and played for his uh favorite band okay um so this song it feels sincere it feels mm -hmm. like someone just sitting down and telling the story of how they feel about god right exactly um, they don't care i this person in this story which we know it's terry but anyone could sing this and it, i would believe that they don't care if you believe how they feel about god or not they just simply want to tell you um, and I feel like that's the best kind of music when, you know, I don't care if you believe me. I just simply feel like telling you my story. Um, and I feel like there's a, a great emotional sincerity about that, that um, sometimes the, the formulas and the repetitiveness just loses. Um, the only thing I would like better is if this was a straight acoustic number. Go listen to the demo version. It's even better. So, yeah, this is how you end the album. Yeah. I mean, if this song was anywhere else in the album, beginning, middle, third, fourth, fifth, that would have been bad. Because <laughs> I probably would have just stopped. <laughs> I would have been where I would have stopped. All right. So All right. my final thoughts. Yes. Um, it's a beginning. The seeds of something creative is there. Seed However, if, it, if this was the only thing I have was ever released by Daniel Amos, we would not be doing a podcast about them. Right no, now. God, no. Nope. <laughs> um, I wouldn't really have a reason to listen to this. Yes. So here's the deal. I am, um, I have soured on this even more talking about it. <laughs> um, Sorry, um, Taylor. We love you. Sorry, Terry. We love you. We swear. <laughs> okay. So for those that don't know the, the Samuel, uh, um, way of rating music because I like to have a formula that makes sense so I always give a potential one out of three three points for lyrics three being great, perfect one being bleh. you can even get zero if you feel like it uh, music, once again one out of three, overall you know how timeless is it, how does it feel like it holds up over time um, what's that X factor one out of three lyrics, I give a .5 um, they are just they're like this is the opposite problem of silver, right? Silver is so vague. I didn't like the lyrics. Yeah, this one is just like so overt. I just, just yeah. silver by Starfire fifty nine for those who aren't Starfire. Yes, sorry, my apologies. Yeah. No uh, music point five. Um, the demos are much better. Like I would love it if if this would have just been an acoustic album. If this would have been just the four of them playing. Or it would have been way better. Acapella, it would have been yeah. great. <laughs> like, if they would have stripped away the production, this song yes. album would have been better. Yes. Um, overall, I give it a one. 
I see the seeds here. Yes. Um, happily married man and ain't gonna fight it. Maybe William. Those would be the songs I would pick to throw into my Daniel Amos mixtape. So I give this a two out of nine. And normally it's funny that the Starfire um, reviews like I'm always higher than you and by a lot. And so for me lyrically, point five to. I mean, I man, I'm virgin on a zero. How that I love Terry. Point five music, zero. X Factor. I'm probably giving this album overall half maybe a one star. I'll give it one star. One star. One out of nine. One out of nine. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's rough. But Guys, later they get they get higher. Trust me. Way stick higher. with us. It gets better. <laughs> we had to yeah. start somewhere. Yes. So you gave it. You said a two point nine, or you gave two, two out of nine. Two out of two. nine. And I gave it one out of nine. Wow. That yeah. All right. Rough. That's but I mean, it's accurate. It's it deserves. <laughs> like really? It, well, no. I may have given this low to Dance House Children, possibly. I think I gave Dance House Children higher. I'm sure I did. And I, for at least it was inventive, you know, like that music, they were trying something new. Like this, how many bands have done this type of music, you know? How many people have done Dance House Children music? At least they were trying something new, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a, it's a start. You got to start yeah, somewhere. You do. So, we have been talking about this way too long, man. <laughs> but it's all good. 1976, the year my brother was born. Yes. Revisit in 2021. Oh man, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> All right, this I'm looking forward to this podcast. I am um, too. So, for those who maybe uh, feel like um, venturing over to the more alternative side that Terry Taylor would influence 20 years later, um, check out our Blue Collar Love podcast where we talk about Starflyer 59. And really, I think Jason Martin's like the not to say protege, but the successor almost. Um, the, the flip side of the coin, if you will, to, ter to Terry. Torchbear, I would say. Torchbear, yeah. And for those who haven't heard, we also, there's an episode where we interview Uncle Terry Taylor, and he talks about his time helping with Starfire at 59, too. So check that out. Um, but with that said, I guess we'll bid you all adieu. Thank you yeah. for listening to the Strong Point, Sweet Points podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, my name is Samuel. And I'm Aaron. Peace. And and this has been a Brothers King Media production. Bye. Bye.